millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Bit of an apology to make now. Um, a previous episode uh, called Dreams to Eternity, I actually said that Richard III's uh, burial uh, happened in London. It didn't actually. It happened in Greyfriars in Leicester. So I do apologise about that little mistake. It was rather a large one, actually. But anyway, I'm ever so sorry. On a chilling winter night in 2016, a small village in South Wales became the epicentre of an eerie and unexplained event known as the Penturk Incident. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, where this week we're speaking with one of the eyewitnesses at the centre of a mysterious occurrence that left thousands baffled and searching for answers. Well, let's kick off with some trivia. Do you think that this is fact or fiction? Robbie Williams took a break in his singing career to study aliens. Fact or fiction? What do you think? Well, find out what the answer is later on in the show. We're in the quiet and picturesque village of Penturk, nestled in the Welsh countryside. It was this sleepy village that was about to be thrust into the spotlight due to a series of bizarre events that unfolded over an incident that to this day is still unsolved. And there's a good reason why you may have missed this too. Many say that this is one of the greatest UFO cover-ups of all time. This investigation is ongoing, with mainstream media said to be covering it up as military exercises. These strange events unfolded over several nights in February 2016. Multiple residents reported witnessing strange lights and unidentifiable flying objects in the skies above the village. The first sightings began on February the 5th when a local man reported seeing a cluster of bright lights hovering above the nearby Garth Mountain. The lights seemed to move in a synchronised pattern, unlike anything he'd ever witnessed before. Word of this sighting spread quickly across the village. Over the next few nights, more residents reported similar sightings, describing a formation of lights that would change colours, move rapidly, and the noise of constant aircraft flying overhead. Some even claimed to have seen a large, triangular-shaped craft silently gliding through the sky. This sounds very similar to Colin Saunders' experience, which you can find on an episode called Real UFO Encounters. One witness described seeing a massive object approximately the size of two football fields hovering low and emitting a soft humming sound. This incident quickly gained national and international attention with UFO enthusiasts speculating on the origin and nature of the lights. Theories range from extraterrestrial visitations to top-secret military experiments. However, the official explanation provided by authorities was far more mundane. The South Wales Police launched an investigation into the sightings and after extensive analysis, they concluded the lights were likely to be the result of a group of individuals flying drones in the area. They attributed the synchronised movements and patterns to coordinated drone flights conducted for recreational purposes. However, a lot of the witnesses and researchers were unconvinced by this. 
They argued that the size and characteristics of the objects witnessed didn't align with conventional drone capabilities. Additionally, the noise they heard was not associated with drone activity. To this day, the Penturk incident remains an unsolved enigma. Although the primary eyewitness, Kaz Clark, who we'll be speaking to later on in the show, and many researchers have tried to get what they believe to be the truth out into the public space. As I said, we're lucky enough to be speaking to the primary witness from this case, Cass Clark, this week. But first, let's hear this week's listener's story around a past life experience. Hello, Yvette and team. I was just listening to the Past Life Regression podcast episode on the way back from delivering a sound healing in Nottingham and... Um, I was drawn to send you my story of what happened to me around about six or seven months ago. So whilst it wasn't strictly speaking a past life regression, what happened within the session, I believe very much was along a similar line. I was down in Wareham in Dorset on a light language retreat. So for anyone that doesn't know, light language and soul expression uh, is all about connecting to the plants, the spirits, the uh, universe around us and our soul within and expressing ourselves um, through that medium. And whilst I was down there, this was at the end of the day on the Saturday, it was a two-day event. And on the Saturday evening after we had been channeling all day we lay down to receive a beautiful crystalline sound bath and I work with crystal sound uh, singing bowls and I know the experiences that they can give people in terms of spirit animals and connecting back to the soul and um, experiencing past lives and whilst I knew that I wasn't going into it with any expectation because I deliver these all the time and um, actually it wasn't really something that was on the back of my mind I just wanted to relax but anyway as I went into the session as always you start to um, feel a little bit drowsy and at some point time ceases to exist and uh, the sound bath was maybe an hour long it felt like about 10 minutes but during the sound bath I had some very very vivid recollection of um, what I believe was a past life of mine and I've always been connected to uh, the Holy Land and to Egypt and that had been coming through within my soul expression and light language all day. Um, lots of demonic and Egyptian and Hebrew-esque language coming through me, which I don't speak any of those languages, so that was strange to begin with. And then when I had this experience, so um, I remember vividly having very dusty sandals and uh, a, a robe. I was a woman. I was walking along the side of a stone wall, um, not by the pyramids, but uh, I don't know how to describe them, those kind of stone houses, dwellings that you would shacks, I guess, that you would see in um, in ancient the ancient world. And as I was walking through, I got to this door and this door, as I walked through it, as I opened it, as I walked through it, I was spat into the stars. And at some point I was then just floating around in the galaxy, um, not really knowing where I was, but having a fantastic time. <laughs> and that happened for a while. My skin was blue. I very vividly remember, actually, as I was walking through this door, this portal, I turned from human into a blue character, a blue thing, and I was shot back up into the stars. And after I'd done a little bit of research around this um what I was looking at, what I was describing, what I was feeling was very much in keeping with um, the Egyptian way of life uh, and also the notion of them connecting to the stars. So the Egyptians, for those of you that don't know, have um, a very strong connection to star beings, to uh, star belts, you know, Lionsgate portal 
and Orion's belt are meant to be these manifestation portals. And so when I've looked at it anyway, I um, discovered that what I was maybe looking at was um, a past life, not just as e in Egypt, but also as uh, some sort of star seed. I can't remember off the top of my head which which star seed had the blue skin, maybe Avatar like, <laughs> but yeah, it was very vivid. It was very interesting, and since that weekend, uh, the light language that comes through when I sing, when I use my bowls, is all able to be translated into Hebrew in some way, which. As I say, I don't speak Hebrew. I'm from Derbyshire. <laughs> I'm from a mining village in Derbyshire. I definitely don't speak Hebrew. Um, but whenever these phrases come through, I write them down. After the session, I then have a little Google and see what they come through as. And they're always related back to Hebrew. So that's my story. Not quite past life regression, but but I believe that that's what it was. It was a past remembrance, a past regression in the form of a sound bath. So yeah, thank you for hearing my story and keep up the good work. I love listening to the podcast every week. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much uh, for sending in your experience. As you know, I absolutely love hearing and reading them all. And singing bowls, they're tremendous absolutely fantastic and the skin was blue star beings other beings from another planet absolutely definitely uh, hebrew and ancient hebrew has also helped me stir up um some uh, spiritual activity paranormal activity as well and some people might have heard me say a phrase on most haunted quite a few times actually it goes arte malkuth vegavura vegadula leula amen now this apparently translates the last word words of the Lord's Prayer in Hebrew. Um, and when I sing these words in a certain tone, paranormal activity does seem to happen almost immediately. So if you feel brave, I'm going to do the chant now. You either turn the podcast up or turn it down. If you've got your earbuds in, take them out and put them out in your room. You never know, something could happen. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Ate Malkut Vegevura Vegedula Leula Amen. So if you do that with a singing bowl, at the same time, it emits this tone. And sound is so, so, so important in the paranormal world, I believe. I really do. It's energy. It's pulsating. It's pushing that energy out there. And tones, music, um, all sorts of things have such an effect on our energies, energies that we cannot see. So if you fancy having a go at that, rewind the little chant that I've just done, learn it and say it next time you're on a paranormal investigation. You never know. It could all kick off. It has done quite a few times with us. Oh, that's a good memory. When I filmed uh, our series of Ghost Hunting with the Happy Mondays, I did sing that phrase. And every time I did, something extreme would happen to the group. Somebody would get hit. Someone would get touched. Their hair was put. It, it, it was incredible. And by the way, if you've never seen that show, check it out on YouTube. It was a very, very funny but scary episode. Sean Ryder kept saying to me, say that phrase again, Yvette. And, uh, you know, stuff will happen again. And so I did. Uh, we filmed all through the night until the sun came up. And yet, when we were ready to pack up, the Happy Mondays had loved ghost hunting so much, they wanted to keep going. Great, great memories you've, you've given me there. You've, you've unlocked something in, in my memory. So, as I say, words, phrases, tones, and singing bowls, they do seem to work. And a sound bath, I definitely, definitely uh, would like to try that. Uh, I wonder where I'll be transported to. Baffled, the daily fact podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. In the 19th century, experts warned women about a disease called bicycle face, which meant getting stuck with the awkward faces they make while bicycling. Giraffes, to know when to mate, the man will continuously headbutt the female in the bladder. Manatees control how much they float by farting. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search for Baffled Amazing Facts.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now, back to Penturk. Kaz first noticed aircraft appearing near her home, as if they were watching for something in shifts. She contacted the Ministry of Defence to get any information on why the plane was stationed nearby, but nothing. After a search of the Welsh airspace, she found that there was no log of the two aircraft or anything at all. It was as if it had all been closed down for a particular reason. After a few nights, she decided, along with her neighbour, to stay up and see what it was the plane was flying above them seemed to be observing. That night, she stayed out uh, by her fire pit until 2am as she watched the plane do continuous figure of eights over her home, passing by about every seven minutes. She went ahead in, put her hand on the door and heard what seemed to be a huge missile. Another plane had appeared, a NATO plane. What were they tracking? She ran with her neighbour for a better vantage point where she could see over the farmland behind her house and out from the darkness emerged a huge, unidentified object. So let's go to that chat with Kaz now to hear more. Kaz, I know you have talked uh, and described many times what you saw um, that time, but many of our listeners uh, won't have heard of this case at all. Um, so could you talk us through exactly what happened? First of all, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Um, I want to start by saying I'm not the only witness. I've just been thrust into this position. Um, yes, what happened? Um I wasn't a believer in UFOs. It wasn't part of my life before this event happened to me. And it started for me on Tuesday, the 23rd of February, 2016, when I noticed a very small grey twin propeller plane flying very low over my village. And I didn't really pay it any mind because we have RAF St. Athens just down the road and we have military aircraft that pass through quite regularly, but they don't tend to stick around. And it was really Wednesday, the 24th, when... I really started to notice the behaviour of this aircraft because one of my neighbours, David, had come out of his house and he was cursing because this small plane had kept him awake all night. And we watched it for a few minutes and another plane came to take its place and then that would start to circle, which it did all day and all night with its partner plane for three days and three nights continuously. And when someone's pointed a noise out to you, that's all you can hear and you sit there and anticipate when it's going to come back. And so all Wednesday night, I had a very restless night. Going into Thursday, the aircraft was so low, you could see the pilot. And I just remember thinking, if it goes any slower, it's going to fall out of the sky. Now, we'd contacted the Ministry of Defence, who didn't answer us. We contacted Wells Online, our local mainstream media, and they didn't answer us either. And so we decided, between us all, not just myself, but my other neighbours, that if it was still here later, that we'd go out and watch with them because it was clear by now they were watching for something. 
but I never in a million years expected to see what happened that night. We lit a fire pit at the end of my garden and David and I and Donna, one of my other neighbours, were stood there watching this small grey tw twin prop plane and by now it was flying in figure eight patterns so it was coming over the top of my house roughly every seven minutes. And it got to about 2am on Friday the 26th of February and I said to David, look, you know, I'm freezing, just a little bit bored, I'm going to go in, if anything happens, just call me. And I got to my back door and I literally had my hand on the back door handle of the house and I heard what sounded like a missile. And I ran back to the end of my garden to see this huge plane go over the top of us. Now, we had almost a full moon that night. It had just ebbed over the full moon and this big plane had banked around to the left-hand side. And as it did so, you could see this mushroom-shaped object on his back and David exclaimed, that's an E3 Century plane. Well, that meant absolutely nothing to me at the time. I could just about identify a Cessna. Uh, but because this plane had turned up, we decided that we'd watch a little longer. And this plane started to circle. Not small circles. We estimated it took a few minutes for it to go around just once. David said perhaps it's taxiing for the airport. Well, really, the only airport large enough to accommodate a plane of that size would have been Cardiff International, which is closed at night. Um where you wouldn't expect to see an E3 sentry plane. And this was a NATO plane. On the seventh time it went around, one red light became visible high up of the trees behind my house. And I shouted for Donna, one of my other neighbours who'd been watching with us, and she'd gone in to make us all hot drinks. I didn't get an answer. I shouted a second time, still no answer. So I called for David to follow me, and we jumped over the small wire fence and ran to the five-bar gate that overlooks the farmland behind my house. And one red light turned into three red lights. It didn't split, it was one red light followed by two red lights that formed a triangle shape. And then the near side edge of lights emerged out of the darkness like it came through a veil. And the right hand set of lights were always brighter than the rest. And this was a full sized three sided pyramid. And it, when it was fully here, it was turning very slowly anti-clockwise and came down in a pendulum motion. And when it was in the upright position, it's fired this really bright green, green object out of the top that's moved across to my left-hand side and above a thicket of trees. And it just stayed there, just rocking gently backwards and forwards. And I couldn't tell you what shape that was. It was brighter than the moonlight, like a really bright green star. I don't know what happened to the small prop plane at this point, but the E3 Sentry was still above us, and that was flying in an oval flight pattern uh, by now overlooking the whole of this. The pyramid, meanwhile, is listed to the right-hand side, still turning very slowly anti-clockwise, but moving away from me. So I've stood on the five-bar gate to get a better look through the bare trees. And I said to David, it's landing, it's landing, thinking it was coming down, when in reality, the ground there rises and it's the foot of the Garth Mountain. So the ground itself was coming up to meet it. And it ejected, I described, like a hand of lightning. But not, not thin lightning, it was thick, like fire-coloured fingers came out of this thing and the whole thing lit up really brightly so you could see that this was a solid craft and not just a string of lights. And it was still turning very slowly anti-clockwise and I heard the military planes coming and I don't know to this day why I was fixated on the bottom of it, but David at that point was looking at the top and he said he saw 15 or 20, he described as orbs, uh, red and green orbs come out the top of this thing that just seemed to be dancing and mingling with each other. And I didn't see any of those because I was fixated on it touching the ground. But I was still stood on the gate and I heard the military planes coming. I now know to be two C-17s huge huge aircraft with two engines on each wing and they were flying when I looked back I couldn't see whether the pyramid anymore because it's pitch black here uh, two further aircraft came from my left hand side uh, I now know to be two C-130s big Hercules aircraft again two engines on each wing and they've turned and gone back in behind the two C-17s so we've got two C-17s in close wingtip to wingtip and then the two C-130s on the outside of those and between them they took up the entire visible airspace and they were flying towards where the pyramid was last seen 
and the bright green object, the first object that came out of that pyramid, has flown in a perfectly straight line across and in front of those aircraft and fired three really bright strobes at those aircraft and and seemed to get excited. That's the only way I can describe it. Like I'd said, like Tigger off Winnie the Pooh, but that like an excited puppy. And it started skipping and bobbing in an attempt, we think, to get those planes to follow it, to draw it away from where that pyramid was last seen and the load that it had jettisoned. And I watched that green object skip off into the distance and it bathed all those four aircraft in green light. And you could see the outlines of all their engines and the fuselages. And I watched it until I couldn't see it anymore. After it had gone, we were approached by two barrel-shaped objects about the size of a small car. And they were completely silent. There was no downdraft, um, no noise, nothing. Um, they were capped on the top and on the bottom with just black caps and they were smooth on the outside as if they were made of glass. But I don't know because I hadn't touched them, but that's what it appeared to be. And one of the red barrels moved across to my left-hand side and stopped above the hedge, maybe 20 or 30 feet away from me and about 20 feet up. And I stared at it just for a few seconds because I wanted to see. I wanted the details. I'm just sorry that there aren't more details and all the inside of these things were moving like like white noise on a TV screen, but it was more 3D than that. Like it was mixing in on itself, turning in on itself. And then I looked to see where the other one was and that hadn't stopped. And by that time, that was right over the top of me. David had backed off towards the garages and I was still stood on the gate. I had nowhere to go. And the only thing I could think to do was to wave. And that's what I did. Because with all the military activity going on that night, I didn't want us to appear to be hostile. And the barrel above me changed colour from red to green. And I could see even clearer the insides moving. Um, like a cake mix almost. And I did hear a man's voice, not my voice, a man's voice, tell the world what you witnessed here. And I said, I will. And this was the one thing that I couldn't be tested for when I took my polygraph examination, when I felt it scan me. Um, there are no words, it was just desolation, like I'd been lifted from the inside. And I felt like a giant hand had reached in and took the fear away from me. There are no words for that. And after this, the green object, the now green object, the barrel, had moved away to my right-hand side and above the rooftops of the houses in the village. And the red barrel that had remained sentry the whole time had now started to move across the fields to my left-hand side uh, until I couldn't see it anymore. The E3 sentry plane was still above us. David said he saw 15 or 20 of these objects um, that came out of the pyramid and we walked down the fields towards where this pyramid was last seen, thinking that perhaps there might be more of these things. And even with the full moon, in the shadow of the hedgerows and the trees, the ground was uneven and slippery and pitch black and we didn't have a torch between us. Our phones didn't work. Um, David's was completely fried, mine was completely drained and I know it was fully charged before we went out there and I can't explain that. I don't know if that had something to do with the E3 Sentry or something to do with the high EMF that was emitted from these craft. When we got down to the second field we couldn't see anything so we walked back to the first gate where we witnessed all of this and we heard the, and saw the Apache helicopters and there were three of those, one flying above two in a pyramid formation and we could see their red lights pulsing out in front of them slowly and it was pushing all the grass and the hedge, hedges flat with the force of their rotors and they were flying from my left to my right on an interception course or where that first green object had gone. So we ran around the rest of the, the front of the houses to see if we could see further up the valley but by the time we got there the helicopters were out of sight. The E3 sentry was still above watching all of this. We walked back to my house and David and I were complete polar opposites. He was almost catatonic and sat in my armchair just staring into the abyss, trying to make sense of all of this. And I was the complete opposite. I needed to tell someone, anyone that would know what to do with this information because I didn't know 
and I certainly didn't know that you weren't supposed to talk about UFOs. So when Wells Online, the same morning, had put out a cover story that this was just a military exercise, I couldn't help myself when I made the comment that I can categorically state that was no exercise. What they were chasing were not, were not planes, and I'll take a lie detector for anyone anywhere. But what I witnessed that night will stay with me for the rest of my life. David went home and I went to bed, not that I could sleep. And I heard the enormous explosion that came from the direction of Lundresant. Uh, I knew then in my heart that they'd shot that green object down, but I needed to prove it. I wanted to see for my own curiosity. I don't know how and when I fell asleep, but I just remember waking up the next morning, or the same morning, with David hammering on my front door to show me the cover story from Wells Online. And then I made my comment, Stephen, one of my other friends had come over and he knew that something had happened because my demeanour, I was so frantic. We'd gone over to the field that we call the near landing field where this hand of lightning had come out of the pyramid and all of the grass was dead. It wasn't burnt. It was like all the chlorophyll had been sucked out of it. It was brown. Um, I went, came back home and I was looking at the comments on Wells Online and there were hundreds of people that made comments to say about the helicopters and the explosions over Clantris and Common. So I wanted to go to Clantris and Common because I wanted to find the impact crater. And Stephen had driven me over there uh, and all the, the old scrap metal that had been on the Common for years was all stacked up along the roadside. There'd clearly been a meticulous metal search carried out that night in the early hours of the morning uh, in what the military calls silent hours using helicopters. Um, I saw two people walking their dog and approached them, bearing in mind this is the morning after the night before to see what they knew. And they told me the first explosion was an air explosion and the second one sounded like something hit the ground in Smilog Woods. The air explosion was also reported in the Daily Mirror online and that's still there today. So immediately I wanted to go to Smilog Woods but because I wasn't from that location I felt quite stupid when they pointed to this huge 800 acre wooded hill that rises behind the Royal Glamorgan Hospital. So we got directions from them, we went to Smilog Woods and because I knew the trajectory of the green object it wasn't long before we found the beginnings of the debut trail. Uh, and this is forestry commission land, there are no branches on the lower parts of the trees. There were huge branches that had been snapped off of the canopies of these trees laying in a straight line through the woodland. Um, we got about halfway through the debris trail when the canopies of the actual trees were out completely and I said to Stephen I need a drink I'm exhausted let's go back and tell the others what we found and we hatched a plan to go up the very next morning the morning of the 27th uh, to take video cameras with us and to record it and follow the debris trail through to its end and find the impact crater which is exactly what we did. And on the morning of the 27th, when I woke up, my hair had turned completely white. Um, I don't know how or why that happened. Could have been shock. It could have had something to do with the, the UFO. I don't know. We followed the debris trail through. Some of the trees were distended, almost like they'd tried to explode from the inside. And when we got to the end of the debris trail, there were six 60-foot trees snapped mid-trunk. These are 12 to 14-inch thick trunks snapped off and around the surrounding trees that had been left standing were all these white burn marks and scrape marks like something had hit that with tremendous force. Um, there has been a huge investigation that's gone on into this. Uh, we have witnesses from Smilog Woods that were there that night that saw the object on the ground only they didn't realise what they were looking at was a UFO. Um, Shortly after the event, we had some very strange men and women come and camp in the fields here. There was no plan and permission for these people. They'd given different stories as to who they were. They told one villager that they were a fracking survey team, which didn't go down very well in the village, and others that they were Vodafone doing field research. But they were, in fact, military, and they were searching the field where the pyramid had come in, wearing white forensic suits on their hands and knees. They were operating ground penetrating radar amongst other equipment um, and they certainly lied about their identity which they're not allowed to do under the training and uh, uh, over private land act uh, which is by the defense infrastructure organization it is their duty to tell you who they are if they are questioned 
They can only lie if it's a real situation. And this was real. Um, I questioned some of the people over there who told me they were Vodafone. Um, and clearly they weren't. Stephen decided that we'd go over later that evening. He's got a fantastic night vision camera. And um, that's what we did. And I called some other friends down who are ex-military to come and see these very strange people that were camped in the fields there. And the gentleman that I'd spoken to earlier, um, he was the only one I could see in camp and he was snapping night lights and putting them around the camp and he saw us and he came over and I asked him who he was and he said that he was security for the camp. And I said, well, are you here because of the UFO? And he said, oh, no, no, we don't know anything about that, uh, which I found very odd because you don't answer in the plural about yourself. Um, but he didn't ask anything about it either. And I found that highly suspicious. A short while later, the rest of the crew came back and I don't know where they'd been, whether they'd been out being debriefed somewhere. Uh, and he opened the gate and allowed them to come in in their jeeps and vans and things and gone back to the campsite with them. And then came back a few minutes later, he said, will you be here for long? And I said, well, I'll be here for as long as the sky is clear. And he said, well, my commanding officer's not gonna like that. He's gonna wanna speak to you. So I looked at my friends and I said, I didn't know Vodafone had a commanding officer. Uh, and we laughed, you know, um, and he'd gone back to get his commanding officer. And this very, angry, stocky man came out saying, you're trespassing, you don't have permission to be here. And I said, I don't need permission, that's a public footpath. And he got a bit more animated and pointed at the footpath and said, no, that's a public footpath. Have you got any identification? And I said, well, I don't have to show you anything. I said, I remember the fascist war movies when they got on the train and asked you for your identification. I said, we fought two world wars, we'd have the right to be free. I said, as long as we're not breaking the law or hurting anybody. We've got a goddamn right to be here. And that was the moment that I realised I had PTSD because I went from zero to a hundred and I was shouting this in his face, bless him. And he stood there quite dumbstruck and said, I admire your passion. Well, it's not passion, you know, people don't know their rights anymore. But after that, he went back to the campsite and didn't say anything anymore. Um, short a while later, the storm clouds rolled in and we went back to my house. But by the following morning, they'd gone, but they were here for the best part of a week. But since then, there's been a huge investigation that's proven that there was no military exercise that night, and there was no police counter-terrorism exercise that night. Uh, only it's taken them seven years to answer us, and a lot of lies have gone on in between. What an experience. It's changed my life. You, it's consumed my I life. I was going to say, yeah, it's life-changing. Something like that will alter your life forever. Yeah. And as I was going to say, one of my questions to you was, was, you know, has this experience really changed your life to the point where you're researching other UFO encounters and perhaps even, you know, trying to find out even more about what happened to you at Penturk? I mean, that's got to be the case, hasn't it, where you're just consumed by it um i'm consumed with this case you know um mm. when i first kept went public i was threatened by someone from the military You're joking. yes <gasps> um they came out and asked me what it was i wanted um did not i you know and the threat extended to my family which is one of the reasons why i stay public and relevant uh, because they threatened me with perhaps a fatal car accident that you know accidents happen all the time um, Good grief. So now it's a quest, if you like. I, I'm quite shocked that no one's actually seen anything that I'd seen. I, I didn't know anyone in the UFO community at all. Uh, but to find out that no one had is, is quite shocking. But the military knew it was coming. And they watched for it for three days and three nights before it arrived. Um, Ross Coulthard, a very respected journalist, has leaked the information just this year that the military defence and other military across the world are monitoring for a frequency to know when these craft are, quote, going to appear. I mean, we've been given a, a, a date. We've been, you know, I think I um, spoke to, well, I've spoken to lots of people, um, you know, UFO experts and so on. And there's one gentleman who said that in the year 2027, um, you know, these UFOs are going to, you know, show themselves 
to the whole world. And what's happening now is, you know, um, the, the, the governments all over the world are now saying, well, actually, yes, we have had some, you know, lots of um, sightings and they are, um, you know, unexplained flying objects. Um, and we, they're admitting to it. So it's almost like they're warming us up to this thing that's going to happen in 2027. I mean, do you, do you, I, I ask everybody this, do you think that's something that could happen? Yes, um, I absolutely believe they're coming back. I think that 2016 started something. Um, you know, we, since I've been involved in the UFO community, it's been brought to my attention that the military are bring, bringing these craft down since the 1940s. And we'd only have to bring the wrong ones down to create a problem. And there are many different types. That there are those that are here. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. Those that are definitely under the ocean. Uh, we don't yes, have flying subs today, that. and there are things that are flying in no. and out of the ocean. And there are those yeah. that are coming. And I listened very closely to General Dunford when he was being questioned by Senator Richard Blumenthal for the hearing for Space Force, you know, that armed military that we have That's in space. That's right, yes, yes, yeah. And Senator Blumenthal asked General Dunford, who was in charge of Space Force at the time, why they were launching Space Force then and not in, you know, 20 or 30 years' time. And he said, well, we need to iron out any unforeseen problems to be ready for 2025. Ready for what? Mm. And then, of well. course, we've had the <laughs> NASA administrator admitting that the alien yes. mothership is in our solar system, and now there are five. Oh, my gosh. It's extraordinary, yes. Yeah, so, so it, it it it's looking that way, isn't it? And and what do you say to? Because I understand totally. We we get it all the time. What do you say to skeptics that have said that you know you hallucinated it or you didn't see what you said you saw and you know you know you're making it up, you're doing it for attention, all of that. What do you say to them? Look, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I wouldn't have sat. Uh, three polygraph tests if this wasn't real because polygraphs have to be based on fact not what you believe and not what you think um, some people will never believe and it's the old cliche you know there isn't for some no proof is necessary and for others no proof will ever be enough um, you know a lot of my debunkers have said that this was just a military exercise and we've had it from the Secretariat of the Ministry of Defence now there were no exercises in South Wales over residential areas using helicopters and jets over a residential area in what the military calls silent hours. They broke every aviation law that night. And of course, they, they wouldn't have if this was a real situation. But if this was an exercise, they broke every rule. They're not allowed under their own avoidance policy to do an exercise over a residential area of more than 10,000 people or next to a hospital. But they did that night. They did that. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned that you thought, you know, you had PTSD and I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, does it make you angry? Oh, initially. When you yeah, think my, about... Yeah. My emotions were completely erratic uh, and I would go from zero to 100 and I just thought, guys, where is this coming from? Because this wasn't me before this event. I was the most difficult person to work with because my emotions were were shot, to be honest, um, because it changed everything I thought I knew and believed. Everything I thought was a, a lie is the truth, and everything I was taught was the truth is actually a lie, and it's turned my world upside down completely. Um, I could... I I, I, I mean, as I'm listening to you, I'm, and I bet lots of people who are believers will be like, wow. I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing to have seen what you've seen and to experience what you experienced. Not only, let's call it the big pyramid mothership, but then the barrels and then the things being shot out of it and all of that. It's, I mean, it, it's insane and it's crazy. And you, saw it all you saw the whole thing yeah. and that like you say that's that's a 
that's a huge thing to take on and to live the rest of your life. And, oh, let's just forget about that. Let's let's, let's just cover it up, not, not talk about it. I mean, I'd be bloody livid I'm, with the government, with the military, whoever it would be. I was appalled that there was no attempt to communicate by the military, no hand of friendship extended. They set an ambush for that thing and sh- pursued all of them uh, and shot one down definitely without mercy. Um, now, if they were hostile and they didn't show us any hostility, in fact, they appeared to have emotion. They tried to hide. They ran. They were literally, um, the military had 20 helicopter military gunships around us and in every direction. So it didn't matter in which direction those barrel-shaped objects travelled, they would be intercepted. Um, we've got witnesses in Betwis and in Bridgend that saw military jets and helicopters pursuing a cluster of green lights. So they'd herded these things up and pursued them west of here, um, out to sea. But with, with, the, with the object being shot down and you went and you, you followed the, the, the debris line... What, what do you think happened to it? What do you think happened to the wreckage? And, and they, there were three where? Chinooks and they were flying sorties backwards and forwards from Smilog Woods back to RAF St. Athan, by this time now being escorted by two Apache helicopters because the third one had to do an emergency landing with its cockpit on fire at Cardiff International Airport. And Apaches are the equivalent of having a tank in the air. What was so important... Yeah, they're massive. What was so important that they had to be escorted backwards and forwards to Smilog Woods where they had absolutely no permission to be. And we've got that from the Welsh government. You know, the, the I mean, witness- anybody listening to this, anybody listening to this, Kaz, I mean, I'm sorry. And, and I, I, it's real. There's something happened there, something, an alien craft landed there and they're covering it up. Absolutely. Absolutely 100%. Absolutely 100%. And the fact that you've, you know, recently found out there were no military operations there whatsoever. They weren't doing any, I don't know, practice sorties or whatever they do. It just, it just didn't happen. And again, let's just cover it up. Let's cover it with a great big blanket and forget that you've, that, that anybody's ever seen anything. Did anybody ever come to you personally, knock at your door and sort of pretend and, you know, sort of suspicious as it were and asking you questions about I've had a few people contact me via my Facebook page to say they've had an interest in the case and as I say one of those people turned out to be military and I was threatened and so was David Um, but I will will not be silenced over this you know no one's going to threaten my children no one I don't care who they are Um, and I would die for my kids Uh, and that's not I'm not saying that idly either Um, but this this happened behind my house, you know, um, in the shadow of the Garth Mountain. That There are many witnesses. We've got other primary witnesses that have come forward. We've got uh, Jacob Coleman, who saw the standoff with the Apache helicopters and the green object. We've got witnesses that were in Smilog Woods that night that were illegally detained, assaulted and illegally removed <sighs> by the military that night. Uh, if this was an exercise, um, you could go up and t- have a picnic in the middle of one of their exercises. There is no legal mechanism to close a public right of way for an exercise. No, there isn't. But they closed no. all of the roads, they closed all of the footpaths, and National Resources for Wales, via Freedom of Information, uh, which we have, have told us that the military did not have permission to be in Smilog Woods that night or to let off explosives. Um at all and they certainly it's absolutely amazing uh we've got a tremendous amount of of information um to prove because we asked the military initially uh, about an exercise and they told us that it would be so much trouble and too much bother for them to look that it would cost us 600 pounds <laughs> so we had to go around the long way around if you like to prove that it couldn't have possibly been an exercise because there's no exercise that it's listed for the men and women that camped in the fields here, to this date, no exercise ever listed here because it wasn't an exercise. It's um, all going to come out, Kaz. It will all, it's all going to come out in the next, what, um, you know, 
few years and it's you're going to sit back and you're going to nod your head and just be like oh my I told you I told you know I told you now for anybody listening that's as enthralled as I am um I know you have a YouTube channel where I think you post things quite, re- re- you know, um, you know, you, you keep everybody up to date, don't you, on what's going on. And um, what what what's the address of the YouTube channel, Kaz? The Penturk Incident. Right there, you YouTube. go. You can't you can't miss that. So if you are intrigued as I am and absolutely blown away, I am so blown away by your story. And I know we talked just before we came on air and you said, oh, you know, have you watched, you know, the story? Have you listened to my... And I'm so pleased I didn't listen to the whole thing because, honestly, it's blown my... I won't be able to stop thinking about it, well, you there know. are images. And I didn't even see it. There are images <laughs> on, on the Facebook uh, page and there are images on my web page and also within the presentations that we've done, the images of the objects that the military were pursuing that night, of the barrel-shaped oh, objects... Oh, including the metadata to prove the time and date that those photographs were taken. I'm going to be looking at those straight away. As soon as, we, as, we soon as we've gone to. off air, I'm going to be on that. Uh, absolutely. Look at, can, you, what, what, can I be very um, cheeky and ask you, um, if you have any updates on anything, would you get in touch with our producer? Would you come back on and give us an update of what's going Because I just think, this is amazing. This needs, I know you're talking about it and you've been talking about it for a long time since it happened, but I am just behind you 100,000%. I just think this is the most incredible case I've heard for a very, very, very long time. And I think everybody needs to know more about it. It's incredible. Well, the evidence. It really is. I I haven't even been able to present the evidence to you but I did a presentation in June of last year um, which absolutely proves that it was not a military exercise and that has a lot of the um, additional witness testimony Um, but of course since then we've had people come forward that especially the two gentlemen that were in Smilo Woods that night who and I asked him why they were possessed and (laughs) had to go and camp in the middle of February when it was freezing and he's a director of his own company, um, and he does survival skills, and that's his out, if you like, um, which is why they were there in Smilog Woods. And they felt the ground shake, and he said, Kaz, it was like standing on a vibration plate. They'd have thought an aircraft had come down. But I said, did you see any wings or tail sections? And he said, no. He said it resembled a glass Coke bottle, the old glass Coke bottles with the top cut off. So that explains the way that it moved. Uh, no lights, no wings, no tail sections. And uh, the military were wearing hazmat suits, picking up the debris. People's houses were shaken. Patients were shaken awake in their beds. In the, in the, in the hospital. What, what? How big would you say this pyramid oh my, shape craft was? full-sized pyramid. Um six to eight hundred feet wide um by at least a thousand feet high at least that's inc- I, I, it's incredible and it, i can't it wait came, to look it didn't look, come look, down look. from outer space it came through the space it, it like it came through a black veil it didn't come down you know so do you mean it like appeared like it just appeared almost emerged, like it gradually through emerged this, yes this darkness into this dimension it was the most surreal. I stood in shock and awe of what I was witnessing and in a sense not believing what I was seeing. But the more I saw, the more I wanted to look. Um, and it has been covered up. You know, I have, I, I, I wrote a book, but only for the first five years of the investigation. Since then, there's been much more evidence that's come forward, you know, Um just to preserve the integrity of the investigation. What's the title of the book, Kaz? Uh, the Pentoke Incident, uh, The Greatest Cover-Up of Modern Times. Right, and people can get that online. Yes, it's absolutely... If you've got Kindle, it's free on Amazon. Absolutely okay, free. Okay, brilliant. 
Right, I should I should be getting a copy of that. Um, well, another question: a lot of people that experience um, UF, UFO phenomena then go on to talk about paranormal activity within the home or around them, or they they feel that their senses have been heightened some way. Did Did you have any of that, or any of your neighbours? Oh yeah, um, you did. Oh yeah. Um, See, I think they're combined. I think it's. I really do. It's, it's I really linked. believe it that it's all wedged together, linked, yeah. I, I feel, I literally feel people's feelings. I know when people are lying and things like that, which is horrific, um, especially when it's my kids, you know. Um, but yes, um, it's like I know things that I haven't learned for myself. And that's the strangest thing. I don't know where this information has come from, but then we have an hour and a half missing time too. When? On the night? On the night, yeah. You see, now I was going to ask you about that. So do you think that you were you were abducted, but you can't remember it? I don't know. It actually scared me more than anything when I actually, dis- when I discovered that I had missing time because I didn't know. And it was only because of oh. Gary's meticulous... Um, military timeline and the time of the explosion um, which we know we now have from the British Geological Society um, we've got the seismic readings because the explosion was so big it registered on the Richter scale 40 miles away in Monmouthshire. Good grief um, This was no simulator Would you like to know if you had been abducted? Do you know my, my stomach flipped when I discovered that we'd lost over an hour in time because I you know I've always sort of been in control in my life and to to have that and not know I I I don't know I have um, someone who is a professional I have um, counsellors and, and, and doctors that can do hypnotic regression they give their services for free um, on my website for because I don't want other people to be in the situation that I was in where I had absolutely no one to talk to about it. Um, and there are a lot of people out there that do need help because this is a real phenomena. This is... I don't know, it scares me, that to be honest. The not knowing. No, I don't... I don't yeah, I, I don't blame you. And probably, you know, ignorance in a way is bliss, isn't it? You know, you, you'd rather not know. And, and if you did know and if you did recall memories, then what's that going to do to you? What's How's that going to make you feel? How's that going to affect your personality? I, I have to stick with what I know and what I understand and, and what I saw, you know, and, and can I trust someone to put me in, I don't know, a hypnotic state or dream state? where I'm not recalling from memory, but, you know, um, the artistic side of my brain. And then I'd be accused of changing my story. And I really wish it was a story and it's not, it's real. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's scary. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. And the other, the other thing I wanted to ask you was when you heard the voice when the barrel was in front of you and you heard the voice, it, uh, please remind me what it said. Was it um, tell them what you've seen here or what, what, was, what did tell it say? Tell the world what you witnessed here. Right. Did you hear that in your head or did you hear it, was it vocally? I don't I don't know. Um, I've spoken to David about it and I don't know and I've always said I don't know if that was audible and that he could hear it or if it was in my head, but it was a man's voice, um, not my voice. And the only thing I said was I think, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I've i got a feeling that you probably heard it in your head. Um, and the way that you feel now, you know, with what you were saying to us, you can tell when someone's lying, you know things before, you know, you've not even, you know, had any knowledge of certain things, but now you understand them and you know them. I think something they've opened something up in you and this is why I think that you know the paranormal the psychic whatever world is meshed together well, with them I had somehow a inside of me um, and it was only discovered when I took the polygraph examinations I didn't know ah 
They found they found it like a like a high EMF frequency coming off you or something like that. Radio My wave coming up. Wave has been changed. See, that's fascinating. Right, and that that's constant and unchanging, um, like a signal. And Carrie Austin, who did my polygraph examination, um, she's the leading forensic polygraph examiner in the country. So this is not a backstreet polygraph examination. This was by the best, and um, she'd never seen anything like it. When you're talking about all of this. How do you feel when you talk about it? Do you feel emotional? Do you? How do you? How does it affect you? It's been seven years now, but each time I say it, it's not. I'm not telling the story. I have to relive it. Um, and as much as it gets a little easier, um, it takes me back to that night. And oh, you know, I have all these questions now in my head: Are we facing a threat, or were these the angels of light? because there are no descriptions of them. Um, it was quite a religious um, experience for me. That's the only way to describe it. Like it was, it was out of this world. It was not from here. Whereas there are a lot of craft that are from here. This was not, this was something else. Wow, and it, it's, it's an incredible, experience that you're sharing with the world and you're doing exactly what that male voice said to you which I believe you heard in your head and I think you've just got to continue sharing keep sharing 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 especially that last bit that really touched me the fact that it felt almost religious and 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 it's it's incredible yeah biblical I honestly I I just think it's 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 wonderful and insane fantastic there's so many words to describe it never quite hits it right on the head what you've experienced thank you so much for sharing that with us Kaz and if you if you get any more information would would you come back on and share it with us absolutely wonderful absolutely wonderful that I haven't said today yeah Um, but you know, please, please look at our presentations of yeah. the evidence and everyone, because it's there for people to see. And we are definitely not alone, are we? That's for sure. Oh, and our military, no. Definitely not. Kaz Clark, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and a real a real eye-opener. Thank you so very much, and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Yvette. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Well, as a reminder, is this fact or fiction? What did you guess? Robbie Williams took a break in his singing career to study aliens. True or false? What do you think? And the answer is fact. He did actually take a break to study aliens. Apparently... Uh, After witnessing three UFO encounters, Robbie began attending UFO seminars and conferences and has connected with many UFO enthusiasts. He's spoken about this publicly too. He even said a UFO visited him when he wrote the alien theme song, Arizona, claiming, I just finished writing a song called Arizona, which is about alien abduction. When there was this glow, it was magic. And here's a little story for you. If it wasn't for Robbie Williams, there would have been no ghost hunting with on ITV2. He wanted to do a ghost hunting show, came to myself and my husband and said, I really want to do something with you guys. Uh, And we came up with the idea of ghost hunting with. And then we were just about to film it. And then his record company pulled the plug, which was really upsetting. And ITV went, well, you need to find somebody else. We've got everything set up. So it was wonderful because we got Girls Aloud on board. And that was a programme and an investigation I shall never forget. Well, if you can't get enough of these UFO cases, check out one of our most recent bonus series, all on the Pascagoula UFO case. This is one of the most well-documented cases of abduction. Let's take a short listen now. So we was right on the river. It didn't hit the ground. It hovered. And all of a sudden, right in the end of it, this this opening was laid up there and three of them just floated out of the thing. That wasn't on no ground. Did they have feet? No, they didn't have toes, but they had feet shape. It was more or less just a round 
like thing on a leg, if you'd call it a leg. I was scared to death of me with a spinning reel out there. It's all I had. I couldn't, well, I was so scared. Well, you can't imagine. Calvin Dunn went hysterical on me. Well, have you seen a UFO? Or is there a site that you think or a location or a paranormal story that we need to cover on the podcast? If you do, please get in touch with me and share your stories. Here is the email address. It's contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. We are on WhatsApp. And as you know, I love to hear your dulcet tones. Uh, Please leave me your uh, voice notes. And it's great hearing your experiences. Uh, Here's the number 075-999-27537. We are on Instagram and the handle is at Paranormal Activity Pod. You can stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow, and we'll be back again same time next week. But if you can't wait until then, you can visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Have a great week, stay safe, and remember, things aren't always as they seem. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.